excellent way to open the show, Andrew. Yes. A little sip of your coffee. Welcome to episode 31 of uh, Auto Off Topic with the always obnoxious Andrew sitting across from me. Yes, I'm your other host, Andrew. Uh, let's see. Wait, you're the other host, Andrew? I didn't introduce myself. Oh. So you're the other host to my other host. Yes. I'm Brad, for those who don't know. Always a pro show here. Yeah, never a pro show. <laughs> anyway. To be pro, you got to be paid, right? Mm, yeah, that totally. Yep. Yeah, so we, we have an excuse. We don't get paid, so it's No, cool. we don't. Always never a pro show because we don't get paid, so we can do whatever nope. the hell we want to do. Nope. In fact, that's why the dog is down here licking my back right now for some reason, because it's not a pro show. <laughs> I'm going to take off his collar before he makes noise. Okay. There you go, Enzo. All right, go lay down, buddy. Anyway, make noise. so uh don't have a lot going on. I did get to watch uh, most of the Indy 500. I kind of washed my truck at the same time and had it on the radio. Okay. Oh, I didn't even think about listening on the radio. Yeah, well, I have uh, I have this little internet radio thing. So I was like, hmm, I usually listen to like an endurance race on it if I need to go do something else that's not in front of the TV. I was like, I must be able to find the Indy 500 on it, and I just kind of searched it. And sure enough, because I watched the green flag drop, and I was like, all right, I'm going to wash the truck because it's nice out. And I put it on the radio, and in that time frame was when uh, they had that massive Scott Dixon crash because it was only like 50 laps in. Yeah, it's pretty early on. And then, because I was listening to it, all of a sudden it was a red flag. I was like, all right, what happened now? Yeah, I did not actually watch the race because we have done the uh, the cut the cable cord at our house. Um, so I'm still getting used to just having internet, no cable. I don't think I like it because I am missing events like this on television. So we well, may wind up going back to Internet it. radio. Yeah, know, we'll see. We'll figure it out. But anyway. Like Radio Le Mans is pretty good. I didn't see it, but I happened to check my Facebook feed or something right after it happened. And a bunch of people, because, you know, all of our friends are car people, were posting about the ridiculousness of what just happened. So I did get to see it pretty much right after it happened. So I mean, it is pretty crazy how stout those cars are now. Yeah, but there's that one yeah. area that you just can't do anything about. Yeah, I don't know why they still have... I mean, really, just give up on the open cockpit of the car. Just Well, I think it's kind of a catch-22 at the same time. I, I understand. If you have it's... a little closed in co- cockpit and something happens inside that cockpit, then there's that much extra effort to get out of I the guess. car. Just like the fire, for instance. It's a lot harder to get out of the car if you're in like a little yeah. bubble. Ejecto seats. <laughs> Yeah, well, you think of, like, a uh, unlimited hydroplane boat. Yeah. They have that little capsule Yeah, that's separate from everything else. So when the boat crashes, you know, the capsule goes. It looks like the, you know, the uh, space shuttle's it, <laughs> landing capsule there. It just shoots off. Capsule. So there is, there is options, like, that way with those. But it, I, it's just tradition at this point. I don't think we're ever going to see a closed cockpit IndyCar or a closed wheel IndyCar. Yeah, I haven't watched... An IndyCar race in so many years. Well, I watch the Indy 500 usually, and that's about it. I don't realize how different the cars look now with all the weird yeah, arrows. almost closed wheel now. <laughs> so yeah. wide. Well, I don't know. Regardless, it wasn't... I mean, to me, I don't know much about Indy racing. And it just, I don't know, it didn't seem that exciting to me. Like, there was some... There's some good races. There's some passing going on, but... There's a lot more passing than there is in F1. Yeah. I know there wasn't a lot of pit stops because there was s- such a big red flag and then so many caution laps. Yeah, there was a lot of wrecks, I guess. It wasn't a yeah. normal event. So, but regardless, 
Uh, I watched to the end, and um, now I feel dumb because Quick, I didn't who write, won? I didn't write. It was Tatoro Sato. I don't know how to pronounce the name, but you're on the right. You're on the right track. Yeah, he's driving a Honda, right? Yes. Yeah, the, a Honda that didn't blow up because a bunch of them blew up. The one Honda that didn't blow up didn't yeah. blow up on the race. I don't know if it was the one Honda, but uh, a number of them blew up. Honda does not have the best history with indie cars, I guess. Again, not a huge indie car person, so I, I'm not like. It was kind of neat to see the F1 driver Alonso, Fernando Alonso. Fernando Alonso. Yeah. See, I don't watch F1 either, but I do like how they were talking about him, and like I saw some of the uh, the qualifying days and some of the other days when mm-hmm. I was at my parents' house, um, and I do like how they kept talking about him as like a rookie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, isn't that funny? Like, like when Sebastian Loeb ran up Peg's Peak, it was he was a rookie? Yeah, you know, in quotation yeah, Se- marks. Sebastian Loeb, the rookie. Yeah. But I, I guess if I guess if like you know, um, yeah, LeBron James went and played in the European League, he would be a rookie there too. So, I, yeah, it's just I, weird to say it. It's yeah. just you know because we know he's an F one driver. He's not his first time behind the wheel. It's not like he's some seventeen year old kid from no. Indianapolis, Indiana, made good. You know, and uh, he was doing pretty well. And then he's coming down the front straight, and the car just went poof. like you just hear the engine just popped. Because they're running at like 14,000 RPM or something crazy. Yeah, constant, pretty much. Yeah, just, I mean, these things do 230, just, 230 plus miles an hour. Yeah. They're ridiculously fast. That track is two miles? Why do you go off quoting facts and we don't know the answers I, to? I believe it's two miles. Because it's, it's kind of almost like a rectangle with... Well, it's 250 laps, right? Rounded up corners. It was 200 laps. So it's more than two miles. Okay. Because then it would be the Indy 400. So it must be two and a quarter mile. Mm. I know it's not a, uh, it's not like a traditional, like a oval, like Daytona or something, a tri-oval. It's like an actual, like rectangle. I mean, that it's what you would think of when somebody like drew a racetrack. It's just like a, a square with rounded half corners. Two and a half miles. Yeah. And of course, uh, maybe you don't know this, maybe you do. It was originally paved with bricks, and that's why it's called the Brickyard, nicknamed. And that's why they have you kiss the bricks when you win, because right. they left part of the start-finish line. I believe they moved it. They used to actually have part, the start-finish line on the track, I think, was bricks. I think they've moved it now. It's just in the pit lane. Seriously? Yeah, I don't think I don't think they have the strip run up the track. they used to have a three-foot-wide section, hence the yard of bricks for the Brickyard. And I was never sure... And again, now here we are talking about facts we don't know. Yeah. Was it the brick yard because it was a whole entire track of bricks? Or was it named the brick yard only yeah. when they kept it back to the one yard of bricks to start from? No, no. It was a brick yard because it was filled with bricks. Okay. And then that makes sense that they would do that. I see. I didn't know that story. That makes sense. The little semantic thing or the little uh, cinnamon thing. Cinnamon? Cinnamon. Mm, cinnamon. <laughs> Synonym We're thing. off to an awful, awful start yes. today. You started uh, with the bubbly drinking of your coffee, and you ruined it for all of us. Whatever. I'm actually going to look on the internet at this moment in time. Okay. To figure out. So while you do that, yes. Uh, I thought for years the reason why they drank milk afterwards was because in the early days when they ran open face helmets, all the oil and grease would get all over your face, and the milk would help wash you off at the end for the winter. But apparently that's totally not true. Like, I don't know where I got that from. Like, some rumor somewhere. Rumors before the internet. Yeah. 
Uh, apparently, but you did used to get covered in grease and tires yeah. and yeah. I mean, my grandmother and grandfather used to go every year. Yeah. And they have stories. My grandmother always told stories about how, you know, you go down near the fence and your face would be black by the end of the race. Yeah. Just being in the stands. Yeah. I believe it. And then... Which actually, we'll have to have my father on at some point because he knows the history better than I do. Yeah. Um, my grandfather knew a lot of the car builders. Yeah. Um, and my grandfather used to be involved with race car building back in the 40s. Um. So I'm going to have to talk to my father about exactly what was going on. But I have some interesting pictures that actually we should probably put up when we have my father on of my grandfather at the racetrack, you know, talking to yeah, that, other famous cool. race car builders of the time. So unfortunately, my grandfather was not a famous race car builder because that would be, you know, we'd have a cool history there. But he, he, he rubbed elbows with them at least. I know that much. There's a few de- degrees of separation there. Not very many at all. No. Like I have pictures of him with people that were pretty heavy in the you know 30s and 40s race car building yeah it's a, it was always a big deal race oh yeah 100 percent. i think people even before there was probably an indie car circuit i think people would spend all year building a car just to win the, the indie one race yeah, yeah it, it wasn't part of any series for a long time mm-hmm. it started as its own thing so back to the milk and you're like well i've just anytime you do anything like strenuous and you're hot Literally, the last thing you reach for is milk. Right. As you always quote in the famous line from the movie, Talladega Nights. No. What? That's uh, Anchorman. Oh, Anchorman. Sorry. Same actor. I'm thinking race cars. Yeah. Spouting off wrong facts again. Yeah. We just packed this one in, Andrew. Sorry. Milk was a terrible choice. Exactly. So damn hot. Milk was a terrible choice. So damn hot. Yeah. So anyway, there was uh, a driver... And this is right from the Indianapolis 500 website. They explaining it away. Lewis Meyer uh, regularly drank buttermilk to refresh himself on a hot day, and happened to drink some in Victory Lane uh, as a matter of habit after winning the 1936 race. Lewis Meyer was a gross human being. (laughs) Of all the types of milk to drink, you're like, man, it's really hot outside. I go for a glass of buttermilk. I would like a nice melted stick of butter. Just buttermilk. Just to wash down the sweat. Ugh. What an awful, awful thing. I remember once I like left the gym. Yeah, believe it or not, I have gone to the gym in the past. Yeah. Uh, and I stopped at like Dunkin' Donuts and got a coffee, and I nearly puked it. I drank it. I was like, that was an awful idea. I shouldn't be drinking coffee right now because it was full of you know milk and sugar, and it was just gross. Yeah. So I can't imagine just finishing a 500-mile race when it's... 80 degrees out, and it was hundreds of degrees in the car. Oh, you, like, you jumped out, and you're in your khakis and T-shirt. Yeah, I guess it just felt it just felt right. Yeah. What do I normally do now? I drink buttermilk. Somebody yeah. bring me a buttermilk. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. how did it become a tradition, Andrew? Uh, um, apparently a milk executive for the Milk Foundation uh, was uh, so elated that he saw a man drinking milk after this famous race. They decided it was a marketing, uh, it was a way to market milk. So he made sure that after that, afterwards, it became a tradition. Of course, there is, it says between 1947 to 55, milk was apparently no longer offered. Uh, it was revived in 1956 and has been a tradition ever since. What years wasn't it offered? 1947 to 1955. Hmm. Was it just 
Was there a um, milk, milk shortage? shortage? Yeah, I don't know. Couldn't get one one class of milk for the poor guy? I don't know. Maybe, uh, I don't know. They signed an exclusive deal with uh, orange juice. Moxie. I, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking Moxie because it was the 40s. Yeah. Normally, you guys drink this refreshing milk. The only thing less refreshing than milk is a nice cold glass of Moxie. That is true. <laughs> yep. Here's this carbonated molasses hey, for you. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I had always thought that it was the same reason you did, that it was yeah. to clean the faces and clean your mouth and, I don't know, give me a water and I'll be happy. Yeah, even if you didn't drink the milk, but if your mouth was full of, like, grease and oil and rubber, if you just, like, swished it and, like, spit it out, it'd probably make you feel better. Or if you ate a jalapeno before you finished the race. That is true. It would cool off your mouth. Yeah. I have no idea. This is a very weird thing. Because most racing events are like a champagne. Yeah. So. <laughs> like a Gatorade. I mean, they didn't have that back then. There was no Gatorade back then. Yeah. No. There had to be some kind of equivalent at the time to a Gatorade. Mm. Moxie. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. I don't know my uh, popular drink history. Like I a, guess. Oh, maybe, maybe 47 to 55. Maybe it was Coca-Cola. Like, who knows? Yeah, I have no idea. So strange. It's become a tradition, and I guess, you know, hey, if you win the damn race, just drink the milk because it's kind of cool, and then you just dump it over the rest of yourself. Yeah, that's true. I don't I don't understand dumping it over yourself either because it's milk. No, it's why? It's just gross. Why is milk? Why do people feel like milk is gross? It's just gross. If it's ice cold, milk is fine. But then you're covered in milk. So it's mostly water. Skim milk? I'm yeah. sure it's not skim milk. Well, you have your choice. You can pick whole, skim, or 2%. Okay. I would pick skim. Listen. Because I am... If I had just won the Indy 500... i man, and I drink skim milk. I would dump milk all over myself. Yeah, I guess I would, too. I guess at that point, it doesn't matter. You just go with the tradition. Yeah. Get a, a milk steak with the side of some jelly beans. <laughs> milk steak um who was the one driver that did not drink the milk uh i hope you looked that up because i cannot remember their name and now you're looking it up i was trying to think it but i was hoping that we could i was typing researching 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 i don't know who it was either but somebody didn't i think it was on the wiki page wikipedia page you know how hard it is to find wikipedia page on the fly Pages these, but looking through the pages hard. It's like the third result, and then I think it was at the bottom. Yeah, well, one person did not. And it was a big deal with Middle America. Yes, because he snubbed all all the milk farmers. And I can't remember his name because he owned, I said Orange Juice Farms earlier. And we laughed at you. No, Uh, Orange Groves. We pictured him swimming around at his Orange Juice Rivers. It's lakes of oranges, which to me, orange juice is also disgusting. I hate it. It's so sugary. Like of all I things, I still think to drink, it's a better choice than. It's so sugary. I, I still so think it's a better acidic. choice than milk at the end of the race. Uh, I think I'd rather have milk. Emerson Fittipaldi. Oh, I was, oh, you were right. Yes, I guessed Emerson Fittipaldi, and he told me I was wrong, but it was Emerson Fittipaldi. All right, all right. I guess I guess the only way we have to, so we have to go. 
We'll have to go do some cart racing, and then we'll just chug milk afterwards. Except and, cart racing around here happens in Maine, where it's cold, so it's not this Not in the summertime. Of, yeah, I guess. Hey, Emerson Fittipaldi in 1993 did not drink the milk. He drank the orange juice. Oh, my God. Scandal. Big time scandal. But Emerson so, Fittipaldi was a pretty low. Like I, 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 maybe we should look that up later. But maybe did like someone hand him the milk and he like slapped it away. I don't know, I'm gonna find the video later on. We'll have to post the video up. Get on the that Facebook out of page. here. We can find it. Just like like slapped it away and then chugged orange juice right in front of him. I could picture that. Or like started to drink the milk. It was like no 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 no, and he shook his <laughs> hand. Threw it back in the ground and, and smashed it. <laughs> I have something better than this. So anyway, so that's been the tradition since 1936. With a slight break, and then again starting in 1956. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. I uh, did not know that. Nope. Happy to have learned that. You've taught me something new again. Yes. So, uh, and the race was this past weekend, as the other tradition is that it's always Memorial Day weekend. Yes. Which, for some reason, in my head, I thought it was Monday. No, it's, it's always on the, it's on the Sunday. It's the Sunday of Memorial Day. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, what else is going on in racing this week? There is uh, GRC at in Thompson, Connecticut, which seems kind of neat. Like Global Rally Cross, yes, initiated. Um, maybe might take a run down there. Tickets. It would be interesting to see it and compare it to what the first Rally Cross event we saw was when it was at New Jersey Motorsports Park, yeah. like in 2011. I mean, the promo made it look pretty cool, but they do that. Yeah, that's I mean, it's the like of a promo. it looks like old school door to door NASCAR with jumps and dirt. But I mean, you've watched GRC events, obviously. Yeah. So I mean, you kind of know what you're getting into. Yeah. But when we went, we were the first season of Rallycross. What was the name of the series? It wasn't Global Rallycross yet. They were going to call it Rallycar. It was an iteration of Rally America. They right. It was like basically what they did at the X Games, but on a they were tr- yeah they were trying to make it a thing and it didn't quite work out because it had all amateurs or I mean these were people that owned single cars they couldn't afford to wad up a right. car in yeah a- we even know people in our local like cone style rallycross that participated in the event yeah so it's not uh, it wasn't something that was quite as exciting to watch as the 600 horsepower factory backed GRC cars are yeah that they can just you know crack up but it will be interesting to watch it. Um, yeah, I, and it's and Saturday and Sunday. Compare and contrast from what we did see before. So, so I think, and it's only like an hour and a half away. So I think maybe one of the days I should definitely try to run down and. Yeah, I'm not sure if it. I can yet or not. It's kind of a bit pricey for my life right now, but that fifty-five dollars is better spent elsewhere at the moment. I think uh, we'll see it, what happens. It does weekend. seem pricey for what it is. Is there? It, any, it could be super exciting. I don't know. Is there any kind of supporting event with it? Or is it just the GRC? I think race? it's just that. Hmm. See, that's the thing. Like, uh, for like sixty-five bucks, you can usually on Memorial Day you can go to Lime Rock and watch a bunch of races. Yeah, and then your kids get in free at Lime Rock. So, yeah, they, they give you a whole ten dollars off for kids at this place. Yeah, it's like forty-five for kids. Yeah. So Which is another reason maybe not go because I'd bring my daughter and now I'm spending a hundred dollars. She won't really enjoy it either. No. So we'll we'll see. Maybe. Yeah, that's a maybe. Uh, then, so STPR, which is the Susquehanna. 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 Yeah. Trail um, Pro Rally. Yeah. That's Pennsylvania, right? Yes. That's this weekend as well. That's in Wellsboro. Yep. I can see all, already a bunch of teams are heading down there. Yep. 
Uh, I shot it last year. Unfortunately, I couldn't get down there this year. So maybe I'll get my rally fix again by going to GRC. Uh, well, I'm trying to think what else is going on. There's some drifting going on, like local uh, drifting. New Hampshire? Yeah. Is that put on by... Uh... That's Club Loose North. Okay. That's only like 10 bucks. Oh, you got to pay to watch that now? Yeah, you've always had to pay. I thought it was in the pay. front parking lot, like with the, like, with the uh, motocross. No, was. it's in the back. Oh, okay. I was unaware. I've not. I've never actually gone and seen it. Maybe I'll have to go up and do that then. Yeah. 10 bucks is more reasonable, and that's only an hour and a half from home, so... Yeah. Maybe two hours from home, but depends. That sounds good. So, uh... I can't think of what else. I think that's all the racing that we would be interested in that's going on this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure there's a NASCAR race somewhere. Yeah. Although, interesting NASCAR rumors. What's that? I did hear that Charlotte Motor Speedway, um, I guess they're going to be building a road course mm. in the middle of Charlotte Motor Speedway. Mm. And they're going to do the Charlotte race. is going to be a road course race huh. instead of an oval race. So, And I've always said one thing NASCAR needs is more road course races. So it's strange to me that they would build a new road course when it seems to me that there are plenty of road courses they could use that already exist. Yeah. They don't run NASCAR, Road Atlanta, Road America, Circuit of the Americas. Yeah, because you just need... They could. I mean, there's a lot of road courses, but not all of them are set up for spectators. But there are some large ones. No, but the three that I just listed are. They are set up for spectators. So, yeah. Yeah, So it's kind of a a weird... And there's, there's a lot of spectator tracks that they don't use for... NASCAR, if they could, but I mean, whatever. More road courses are always welcome in NASCAR, so because I only usually watch road course. I watch a little bit of ovals during the year, but I try to make it a point to watch the road course. Races. I immediately forgot after Daytona. <laughs> well, exactly. <laughs> it was like, all right, I'm all jazzed up for Daytona, and then I just completely forget about NASCAR and, until I hear, oh, they're going to Sonoma. I'm like, all right, cool. Well, I guess there's been some weird rules changes this year, and they're changing like weekly to try to make it work. Oh, and yeah, the, the drivers, stage things? The drivers have been very confused, basically. Oh, all right. There was a radio um, broadcast with one of the drivers. I forget what radio, what, what driver it was. But he was basically being like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> like, what do we do now? Like, is the race over? <laughs> we have more to go? Because there's all kinds of weird stages. They stop the race, make you change tires, make you not change tires. Make you change something else, make you not change something else. Make it three stages in some races, two stages in some races. One of the last races they changed last minute. It was going to be two stages, then it became three stages. And I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. So I, I don't really know. I haven't been following it because, again, I don't have cable anymore. So it makes it hard to follow all the stuff that you would have normally wasted your weekend doing. Hmm. And I had to find other ways to waste my weekend. Well, regardless. Speaking of wasting weekends, yeah, Project Cars. What do you got going updates? on? Uh, all we did was, because I've got kind of the front of the Montero pulled apart, I get to the oil pressure sending unit for the gauge easier. This is obviously the 99 this is the Montero. the 99 Montero. We're still trying to figure out the noise and trying your hardest to not let it be a bearing. Yeah. A I'm uh, bearing. alternative facking it, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And maybe, maybe. Crank bearings are bad, very bad. Yeah, we'll see. Something simpler is it, easier. Anyway, we hooked up the oil pressure gauge and started it because uh, I can still start it. I just have the accessories unbolted. Uh, it had 60 PSI oil pressure at 
like a fast idle. And cold, what fast is idle. the spec supposed to be? Uh, that's the thing. The specs are not in the service manual. That's weird. 60 sounds good, though. Yeah, it was pretty good, and it wasn't really, like, wavering or anything, so... It actually sounded a little bit quieter with the gauge hooked up, and I have a theory about that, but i got to figure it out first. You do you have a wild and crazy theory that you're willing to put out there and sound foolish if it's not true? Mm. I just want to wait. I'll wait. All right. Don't make fun of Andrew if you his theory wrong, basically. No. It, well, it's a theory, so it can be wrong. It could be right. Right. All right. I'll, maybe it did. Well, I the oil pressure gauge on the dash doesn't read until you raise revs up. Like, it just reads zero, like flatline. Yeah, which I noticed when I first started it because I panicked. Yeah. Because it had zero. I was like, ah, but the gauge is broken. Yeah. So then, uh, clearly it has oil pressure. So I was like, hmm, I wonder if... 60 PSI, actually. I I mean, I, you know, a low, a low oil pressure situation where it can bleed off will increase your bearing clearances. So, okay. It's a... Yeah, it's an out there theory. Oh, yeah. That if the oil that's being fed into the uh, sending unit has, is bleeding past the diaphragm that's inside of it, that triggers the electrical signal, you're losing pressure to a point. Like, it won't have total, pr- but you're losing some pressure, like uh, some p- some amount of PSI. And maybe that's enough to make it noisy. Even if that is the case, yeah, and I'm stressing even, yeah, wouldn't that drop in pressure across the crank cause damage potentially anyway? No, there's still oil there. They're just moving. Mm, there's no metal bits in the oil. That's the thing, right? Because you drained the oil, and there's no. No, I haven't drained the oil. I just well, keep... The oil you can see. Yeah, well, you keep pulling the dipstick, and there's no metal flake on it. So no shininess at all. No. Like, when you're gallant grenaded, it was like metallic paint. That was pretty epic, though. I mean, that was a lot. Yeah. That was, that was a very obvious. That was like a spun bearing. That was like it, yeah. it, it ran out of oil at one point. And not during my custody. No, no. It ran out of oil. And, and then, not during Jeremy's either. No. He was that a, unknown like, bottom end in it. Previous, previous, previous owner. Yeah. Ran it out of oil. Some guy will just call hack. Yeah. Ran it out of oil. Yeah, exactly. So, anyway, there's that. Uh, hopefully I can figure out some stuff over the weekend with the 99. However, uh, the next thing I'm going to do is the 89 has developed a radiator leak that I talked about last week. Yep. So I rinsed off the radiator with the hose to make sure it wasn't like residual, like water that got in there from driving the truck in the rain. Cause it's been raining a lot mm-hmm. and I rinsed it off. Then I drove it to work, looked, it was dry. Come out of work. It had started raining again, so the ground was wet. But then today, after I drove it to work and then went to leave for lunch, it was a very dry day. Underneath was a pretty good-sized puddle of coolant. Like, it's just dripping off of one side and then down onto the ground. It's definitely coming out of the radiator? Yeah, and it's not from... There's no hoses on that side. Okay. Because I don't, I thought I needed a radiator at one point in my Montero, and it wound up being that the expansion tank had like a crack in the bottom of it. So when you shut it off hot, the the coolant would go into the expansion tank, and then it would run down the fender well on the ground. So no, this is the opposite side. Okay, just a thought. That's and it. then I was like, all right, that's not so great. And then I drove like ten minutes 
on the way home to stop and get lunch. And uh, I come out of the place, and there's, like, the same size puddle that was there. After, like, a 10-minute stop? Yeah. yeah. I was like, hmm, that's not good. So it's when it gets pressurized that it's spewing out of somewhere. Yeah. But it's not bad at the moment. So, like, I can still drive it around. Just don't go far. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to basically drive it uh, to where I work on it. And then I'm going to pull the radiator because that's what's going to happen. You'll be driving along. It'll burst. Yep. And then it'll just ruin everything. So... Then you'll have my Montero issue. Yeah. So we're going to just have it rotted and cored. And that still has an original it. metal tank. Is, yeah. I think it's the original radiator. So 271,000 miles later. Yeah. So and it's a pretty good life. It's like we'll have a nice new radiator for the next owner. Yes. Uh, Please buy Andrew's Montero. Yes. We promise we will not sell it to you with a broken radiator. No. No, we're going to fix that. Uh, I haven't touched the Galant. I need to swap the mass air meter. Still, I just, I don't know. I've been doing other stuff. I haven't gotten to it. Yeah. Well, we worked on Jordan's car again the other night. Too. Oh, yeah. We didn't, we can talk about that. Yeah. Um, the Subaru we've talked about in the past that we rally crossed a few times now. Um, it's when we had all the issues. It's with lived the, all its life in New England. Oh, 100%. Yeah. It's, he was the second owner of it. And it was, so, he's in New Hampshire, and yeah. it's always been up this way. So it has some rust. He never shied away from it driving in the wintertime. So. Nope. Nope. It has some rust. Um, nothing significant. It's just the trunk floor. There must have been a leak at some point, and it just kind of puddled. Moisture just sat in the bottom of the spare tire well. Yeah. So they developed a hole in the spare tire well. So um, we decided we should try to fix it. So we're not body men. And we're not welders. By we any stretch of the imagination. Um, the closest one to a welder out of us is me, and that's far from what I am. I've taken a welding class, put it that way. <laughs> That's my experience of welding. So we decided to give it a go and weld it up. So we cut the panel out. We cut a nice square hole, uh, and we cut a patch to fit that same square hole. Uh, we ground it down to nice bare metal all around and cleaned everything up and got it all, you know, nice and shiny and ready to weld back together. Yeah. And had a really hard time doing it, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, you're learning. We are learning, but we realized the big error in our ways was we didn't clean the bottom of the metal. Yes. And there was a rubberized undercoat on the bottom. So what was happening was every time you would strike an arc when you'd make the weld, it would instantly melt that rubberized undercoating and it would draw it into the weld. So it contaminated every weld we tried to make. So we decided to start from scratch, <laughs> knock that whole panel back out, clean the top and bottom this time, and give it a go again. So we kind of ran out of time. We'll try to do it again soon and uh, get that piece in there, and we'll make it look professional by the time we're done. Just we made a rookie mistake, and we admit it. Well, it no. clean both sides of the metal. So. Once you get it, that dialed in, uh, then you can start cranking away in the stereo. Oh, exactly. And cranking away everything we own that has rust, which is everything yes. because we live in New England. No, except my new truck. Right, because you bought it from Arizona. It doesn't yes, count. Give it, give it a year. No, I'm going to protect it. Yeah, well, still. So anyway, so that's that's the small update on Jordan's car. Um, it's all prepped, ready to go, sitting there waiting for us to get some time to go over there and do it again. Would you tell me the cold exhaust fell off? Yeah, my project car updates. I, once again, have a down date. Um, not ex- Not a big deal, just a tailpipe. I've been using the car a lot. Um, and I drove it to and from camp up in Maine, which is about 125 miles each way, which is a good distance for that car. Yeah. 
Um, on the way back, I pulled over to do something. I don't think I spilled the drink in the passenger side floorboards. I was cleaning it up. When I pulled back out in the road, I heard a clunk. I was like, oh, that was weird. And didn't think anything of it because everything seemed to be functioning properly. And when I got home, the tailpipe was completely disconnected. The muffler in the car is underneath, like, the passenger seat. Yeah. And then it has the pipe goes under the floor, up and over the rear axle. So the pipe was just, like, the rear hanger by the bumper was still in place. And the front of it was just resting on top of the rear axle. So that explains the clunky noise. So it's not a big deal. It just broke at a a union so I could just put a sleeve over it and clamp it or weld it in place and, and call it a day. So there's no undercoat there to worry about. Yeah, you can try welding it. it. So I can try welding that in there place. There you go. So that's, that happened. So a little down date on that one. However, the Camaro. Remember the Camaro? We talked about the issue with what I thought was a rear main seal. Yeah. Uh, turns out... It's not the rear main seal. No. Uh, older cars have mechanical oil pressure gauges. So they have a feed of oil, hot oil, hot engine oil that comes out of the engine and runs through a little hose into your dashboard. Well, this car has the gauge pack. Yeah, it's an SS with the, with the factory gauge package on yeah. the center console. Yeah. So it's got four gauges in the center console. It's got a fuel gauge, uh, amp meter, temperature, and a uh, voltmeter, excuse me, temperature, yeah. and oil pressure. Yeah. They're all mechanical gauges because it's a 68 Camaro. Yeah. Um, so the mechanical oil pressure gauge literally has hot engine oil pumped into the interior of the car. Mm-hmm. So thankfully, the piece of it that broke was on the engine side. Oh. So a piece of the hose broke, and what was happening was the oil was running down the bell housing. Oh. So it looked like it was pouring out of the bell housing in the back of the car, so we thought it was the rear main seal. How'd you find that? You just traced that up? We looked at it because we kind of said, wait a second, there's a lot of oil pouring out of this. Either the rear main seal just fell off completely. It's not like seeping. And clutch wasn't slipping. Well, I never drove it. Oh. I shut it down because it was pouring out that much oil. Yeah. With a lot of oil was coming out of it. Yeah. So we never drove it. We shut it off, and we just pushed it back in the garage because it happened right in the driveway. Yeah. So we just kind of followed it up and saw the line had just with age. I mean, it's 1968, so it's old, brittle hose. That's a rubber hose? It's like a plasticky rubber kind of. We've got like a little silicone hose in there that's rated for oil. Yeah, I haven't figured out what I'm going to put in there yet, but... At least I don't have to pull a transmission out of the car. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, too, I'm sure, because it's a 68 Camaro, there is a replacement part for that. Oh, literally, you, can, you could build one from a catalog, so everything in the car yeah. exists. Whether it's NOS or it's some improved part, I'm sure it exists. If it's an improved part that exists, that's what I'm going to use, yeah. because I don't care that much about... I can make an all-original car, but if I can make it better without ruining it, I'm going to. Yeah. So I don't mind doing stuff like that. Nobody will see it. Hey, oh, exactly. Yeah, put a better air. They will see a giant there. puddle of oil underneath it. So, well, it wasn't the fact that it was a giant puddle of oil. It was just smoking like crazy because it was dumping right on the exhaust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be fun. Yeah, that's how I knew something was wrong. <laughs> I started the car. It was warming up in the driveway. I went to the garage, closed the garage, turned around, and it was like engulfed in smoke. So immediately, my head was like, "Oh my god, my car's on fire!" Thankfully, it was not. It was yes. just oil. But I immediately shut it down. I pushed it in the garage and. 
I'm a little sick because things so simple, and I parked the car in like June of last year or May of last year, and never yeah. drove it again because I was just frustrated with it. Just never looked at it. Mm-hmm. So I missed a whole season of driving it. But oh, there you go. Life goes on. Live and learn. But so that's the uh, that will be a project car update soon because I'll have actually done some work on it. Cool. And you've worked on some model kits. I haven't done any. Yeah, a couple project car updates, or one uh, scale of project car updates, I guess. I started a new kit. Um, I recently built that uh, Colt Gallant GTO, the 132nd scale one, mm-hmm. which is an A-R-I-I kit. I don't know how to pronounce that. Is it R-I? R-I? Sounds R-I? like it. R-I? I don't know. Um, and I've never built one of the 124th scale kits. So I went down into my ridiculous stack of model kits in the basement. Uh, and I found a 124 scale 72 Skyline sedan. Hmm. Uh, 72 Skyline is the Ken Mary style. Mm-hmm. So it has the, it's a bigger than the first generation, it's like second generation Skyline basically. Yeah. Um, and and they I call said, it that because of the ad campaign had a, had Ken, Ken and Mary. Mary. Yeah. yeah. So you see the Ken Mary logo or yeah. the advertising logo was like the name Ken and Mary under an umbrella. Um, so anyway, I decided to build that. I took it out. Uh, I painted it traditional Skyline color, like uh, off-white. Um, and I decided to go, like, super Japanese Shakatan style with a little set of deep-dish Aoshima wheels with stretch walls. And should be an interesting little departure, little change of kit. So hopefully I'll get that pictures of that one up as well pretty soon. But that's all I've really worked on for scale projects because summertime is here and... It's time to dedicate time and effort to real cars. All right, cool. So is there a... I think there's a Cars and Coffee coming up this weekend. Andrew turning his phone off. There is Cars and Coffee. Oh, and of course, a, if you are on the West Coast, there is Radwood, Radwood in San Francisco. Yeah, which you should definitely go to. Yes. Because it's, it's for 80s and 90s cars. It is for most of the listeners of this podcast. Yeah. Because you're probably into 80s and 90s cars. 100%. People near us, um, this Sunday is the Seacoast Cars and Coffee. It's a new one. Um, oh, that's supposed to be the big one, right? It's supposed to be a big, big one, yeah. I mean, I don't know how many people are definitely going. I think it's like 500 people said so they were going on the Facebook page. But it's supposed to be a pretty, good, pretty big one. It's hmm. at um, Portsmouth, New Hampshire at the Cinemagic. In the parking lot of Cinemagic, they're going to have coffee and everything there. So I don't know who's going to make the coffee or who's going to bring the coffee, but it's actually hosted at the Cinemagic parking lot, and it's authorized by them. So that's good. I think they had one there last year, um, and it was pretty big. So I think that might be what I try to do this Sunday. So it's Sunday, June 4th, 8 o'clock in the Cinemagic parking lot at Portsmouth. So hopefully I'll be there. I know Al's going with his escort. All right. So if you want to see a Mark II Escort, that'll be there. Not All right. The I'll breaks in that last probably week, so. take a ride up then with you. Yeah, that's hopefully the plan. Gives me a, a motivation to wash the glass. If it runs. It, it runs fine. I drove it today. Oh, okay. It just really you can't really lay into boost too fast. Okay. Well, I'll probably be going up in the Colt, so. Yeah. Because that should be the yeah. plan. Anyway. Yeah, I think I think Al's going in his, uh, in his Escort. I'll be hopefully taking the Colt. You'll take the Gallant. My yep. brother-in-law is going to go up in his Trans Am, I think. Yes. Um, so, yeah, it should be a good time. All so right, cool. Come on up. Join us up there. 
Anything else? I'll put a link to that up as well on the page later on tonight. Um, no, I think I'm pretty satisfied. A little bit of a uh, shorter episode this week. Hmm. It was about 45 minutes or so. Yeah. You got a problem over there, Andrew? No, the... Uh, Dead air. We're doing the coloring thing? And we'll bring that up next week. Okay. All right. We have something special for you guys. It's special because it's bigger than before. It's yes. something we've done before, yes. but um, a long-time listener. Right, we'll bring it up now. Screw it. All right. Go ahead. Long-time listener. Big time. We'll call him Auto Off Topic Superfan. Yes. Frank Eck. Um, thank you very much, Frank. Um, put together the coloring contest that we had done before. Yes. Except he has contacted a bunch of people in the industries surrounding Mitsubishis. Um, it's open to anybody, but it's specifically most Mitsubishi people. Um, mm-hmm. I know like Adventure Driven Designs is going to be on board, I think. He talked about them, whether they're going to be on board or not, we don't care, but I'm not sure they are, so I can't really say that. But um, It's basically going to be a contest for some swag. Like Yeah, different companies that do things for Mitsubishis will be supplying the prizes. So it'll be, I don't know whether it be patches or t-shirts or hats or who knows what it'll be. Yeah. But, It'll be simple stuff like that. It won't be anything elaborate. Yeah. Just neat little swag stuff. That. Yep. And uh, we're actually working on talking to somebody at the company itself. So we'll see how that goes. I don't want to say too much yet. But, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. There is a Facebook page for that coloring contest again. Um, It's been shared to pretty much every Mitsubishi-centric Facebook page out there. So hopefully we have thousands of people that see it and a lot of people that aren't our listeners. Maybe we'll get involved and kind of make this thing a little bit bigger than before. So we'll see what happens. And uh, again, I know I talked to Steve last week directly about not getting his coloring contest prize out to him, but we'll take care of that soon. Because <laughs> that one's on us. This, is, this new one's not on us. This is on other people. Yeah. So that's all. All right. As always. This podcast has been brought to you by Vintage Imports of New England, Vine, Vintage Imports, NE.com, Vintage Imports of New England on Instagram and Facebook. Um, if you have any questions about buying, purchasing, maintaining, selling, transporting, appraising an old car, and you want some guidance in that, please feel free to send me an email. Uh, it's brad at vintageimportsne.com. Awesome. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Auto Off Topic Podcast. You can follow it on Instagram, Auto Off Topic. You can follow me on Instagram at Race and Anger. Uh, you can email us uh, complaints, compliments, questions, Auto Off Topic at gmail.com. How about you, Brad? You can find me, as always, on my personal Instagram of TSISS350. Right. And as always, keep your cars analog.